Hey, Firestarters. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Angel. And I'm the other host, Brandon. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. Because in 2020, nothing makes sense. (laughs) It really doesn't. No, it's a wild ride. It fucking is, man. Yeah, it's been wild. But here we are. We are riding through it with gratitude and grace. Oh, girl, I got a lot of gratitude that I'm just a little bit sick now as opposed to being all the way sick. Yeah, that's good. This sucker is holding on. I know, man. You've been sick forever. For almost two weeks now. I know. But I'm getting better and it's clearing me out. And I'm really grateful to the sickness because it is taking things for me like fear and resistance and old patterns. It is just clearing it out. Well, shit, honey. This sounds better than a stomach bug when you need to lose a few pounds. Yeah. I mean, and it's also helped me do that. So, I mean, thanks, sickness. But now I'm done with you. I'm (laughs) ready for my voice back. Thank you. I'm done with you, too. Yeah, I know you are. We haven't been able to kiss in like two weeks. Yeah, come on. But I don't think I'm contagious anymore. We could probably start kissing again. All right, good. Well, then let's get through this. Okay. Uh, You want to tell the people who you are? Oh, who am I? Uh, I am Brandon Alter. I am a healer. I am a tarot reader and an astrologer and a teacher and a writer and a mystic and a seamstress and a performer and the co-host of this podcast and an all-around crazy person. So many things. But really, I'm just me. You are. I'm just a beautiful girl in this crazy world trying to make it through no it's beautiful honey i can't wait to watch your show on disney plus thank you uh and i'm angel lopez i am the other co-host of this podcast i am also a writer and a film producer and an astrologer you are a film producer and we're headed to sundance well actually when this episode comes out we will be at sundance and it will be the day of the eve of the premiere of your film yeah, uh, Justin Simeon's film Bad Hair premieres at Sundance uh, January 23rd. I mean, what an accomplishment. I'm so excited. This was your retrograde baby. Oh my gosh, y'all. We made this movie <laughs> through so many retrograde phases. So if anyone's going to be up in Park City, Utah for any reason uh, next week, uh, both Brandon and I will be up there. Yeah. Uh, you know, walking through, I will be, you know, meeting people and seeing screenings and brandon will be shopping for turquoise honey you know me so well (laughs) and also probably just like sitting at the house in sweatpants just like looking out the window at the snow yeah sipping tea yeah it's supposed to be snowing when we get there oh shit so get your uh, warm clothes well you did you bought some stuff it just arrived in the mail i know some fleece (laughs) so warm i'm hugging myself right now she really is in my wine colored fleece (laughs) She loves a fleece these uh, days. I love a soft thing. What yeah, can I it's say? really your thing this season. I know. I love a soft thing. But anyhow. So we have an exciting spirit talk for you all this week. Our very first one of 2020. It's gorgeous. It's really set a high bar and we can't wait to share it with y'all. Yeah, it's with the lovely Ryan Allen. And Ryan Allen is a queer healer. Uh, we both have the same teacher for breath work and energy healing. And he has just like a beautiful sensibility and he keeps it all the way real. And we had the opportunity to sit down with him and just talk all things healing and growing up gay and 
Madonna. <laughs> well, not too much. Madonna. High school crushes. Yeah, all type. No, like first crushes. Yeah, first crushes. Uh, but yeah, so we're gonna get into that very, very soon. Yeah. But first, we should do a little quick check in. So, how are you, Boobs? Oh my gosh, y'all. I'll just like give it to you all the way real because that's what we do here. So, you know, since I've talked to you last when I was like in the depths of that sickness, which I kind of brought on myself by doing some like deep clearing work, I'm uh, engaging in this process of learning how to clear like old patterns. Um, and some of these old patterns are things that like I set in motion as like a three-year-old or even a 17-year-old. And some of these patterns are past life patterns, and I'm learning how to clear those. But some of these patterns are like deep ancestral patterns, things that like not just my mom or my grandma or my great-grandma did, but like things that go way far back than that. And I did this like really deep meditation clearing practice, and I was trying to kind of get rid of some of these ancestral patterns and start to understand them. And that kind of triggered this first sickness. And then last week when I was starting to feel better, I did another one to kind of like check in and see like what else needed to be attended to. Cause you know, these are old patterns. You're not going to clear them in one go. It takes some time. And I did some really good work again and it was like really surprising. And I honestly discovered that there's a blockage um, or there was a blockage because I come from like a long line of merchants, like of people that sell things, that there was a lot of ancestral baggage around like selling things that aren't in physical form, like teaching or healing or classes, and that I had a lot of blockages around that. And so I had to go to some of my ancestors and I kind of had to like prove to them the value of my work. And in doing that, I actually realized like my own doubts and blockages around being able to like stand in my power and acknowledge the value of what I have, like even just on a financial level. And so I did that clearing and it was beautiful. And then I like got sick again. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm just like, whoo, Mary, um, you know, sickness is no fun, but it's also sometimes the only way that the physical body can accommodate some of these big energetic shifts that are coming through. So like I said to Angel earlier, like I'm really grateful because I feel like I've been acknowledging a lot of fear and I've been releasing a lot of fear and a lot of doubt, but I am looking forward to like feeling healthy and well, but I pulled the Knight of Swords for January, and the Knight of Swords is double air, and so it feels like I'm just going to be in all of this clearing and like letting go of old mental concepts. And the Knight of Swords, he's like a tornado. He just like comes in and he just like cleans your house, and particularly your mental house. So I'm just like, okay, like this sickness is clearing me out. I'm going to get um, some shamanic healing done this weekend from a really fantastic um, shamanic practitioner. And I'm just like looking forward to like inviting some other people in and asking for help and just like starting 2020 off by like getting the work done that I need done um, so that I can start doing work for other people and feeling empowered and like finding joy and grace and power in my life. So that's my very deep but very brief check-in. Well, great. Well, I'm excited for you to get to start your healthy new year. Yeah, me too. Soon come. Yeah, girl. Soon come. She's already here. And what about you, babes? Check in with me. What's going on with you? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I definitely had some challenges the first 
week or so of the new year, I think, just landing into a new energy. Uh, But this past week, I've really felt present to everything. You know, we had the big Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn this past weekend. We know. I know. We don't have to talk about it ever again. (laughs) We're going to have to, but not right now. No. But I really tried to sit with that energy and, you know, gave myself a lot of meditation space around it. And for me, it was a lot of self-belief. So I have just been working a lot in my meditations recently around what I believe in and uh, really staking claim to those things, you know, around my faith, around my creativity, uh, just around myself. So this week I've just been doing a lot of work around believing in myself and self-worth and trying to put my dreams first. So for me, that's been a lot of writing. I've been making myself write every day because that is what I want to be doing more and more. Yes, dreams first. Yeah. So I'm just trying my best to make me a priority. And that's a lot of just where I'm at. I was dealing with some physical stuff with my hip and my leg and my back really bothering me and put a lot of energy into healing that and it's all of that is feeling better than it has in I want to say even months wow it's amazing which I'm really really grateful for uh but I think some of that just was around stress and how much stressful energy I was allowing into my space and when you release that uh you know you're not tensing so much So I'm excited for what's next and let's do this shit. You've seemed buoyant. I seem buoyant? Yeah, you've seemed buoyant. Well, good. I'm in touch with my first house, you know? All that Saturn-Pluto stuff was trining my rising, my ascendant point in Taurus, which wakes up my Jupiter because it's right there. So yeah, there is definitely like an optimism, a buoyancy. a lightness. Yeah, that's where I'm at for sure. I've enjoyed it. It's been nice. Thank you. Yeah, it's been nice to coexist with that. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, speaking of things we coexist with. Ah, is it time for this episode's Dose of Inspiration? So this is that segment where we share with you things that have been inspiring us, that have been giving us life, as the children say. Uh, And I believe that Angel and I each have a book and an album that we'll be sharing that has been inspiring us. So Angel, why don't you start with a dose of your inspiration? (laughs) All right. Well, for me, the new Selena Gomez. It's so good. It's so good, guys. It's so good. Feel free to do your best to hate. But it's so good. Selena, but it's, it's you know, if you like pop music. Adult pop music. I do. Sophisticated yes. pop music. <laughs> Lyrical content. Uh, she is giving it all. She's still giving you some like, you know, some things we've heard before. A little bit of the like, you know, Latin flair. the A little bit of the like tropical beats. But 
she's pairing it with such wonderful songwriting. And I also just really love her recording voice. Like, I really enjoy it a lot. So Yeah, it's not like overly auto-tuned. No. It feels like a real person. Yeah, and there's just some tracks on it that I find myself going back to like like i will usually when i'm walking the dog want to listen to some sort of podcast because i download like 700 a day and i'm like i gotta stay on top of these but lately i've just been like you know what i'm gonna just put on the damn selena gomez record and just kind of like bounce down the street you bounce see you're buoyant look at you (laughs) just floating down the street little jupiter yeah so if you haven't gone into it yet um you know or if you haven't been inundated with the song that uh, gets played everywhere the lose you to love me song which i think is a beautiful song the more more i hear it yep me too uh but if you want to get into it and you haven't uh some of the tracks that i love on it are vulnerable so good yeah such a great track and a sweeter place which just lyrically like just really speaking to me right now and my two faves would be People You Know mm-hmm. and Let Me Get Me. Oh, yeah. And I love Rare. Which is the title track. Yeah. Like, it's no Revival, which was the title track of the first album. Oh, so Or the good. last album. Yeah. Uh, which I also really loved. But I, I like, I think there were, uh, there are songs on Revival that I loved more, like Hands to Myself and Same Old Love. Like, I loved those songs. There aren't any, I feel, that are like fucking of that caliber per se but as a whole album i'm kind of loving this one more like i can float through it and then want to start over yeah well it's very short it is very short it leaves you wanting more (laughs) but anyhow so so i'm vibing with that hard and do you have music that you're vibing with right now i do what is it well so this is not new by any means this is an album called nightbook and it is from 2009, everybody, but oh, that's okay. She's having a time travel that's moment. That's okay. It's as contemporary as ever. It's by a composer, uh, I'm probably going to butcher this, Ludovico Einaudi. Okay. And it's all instrumental, and it's just luscious and gorgeous. And I don't know about y'all, but sometimes like, I just can't deal with any lyrics. Like, I can't deal with electronic. Like, I just need something chill and restorative. If I'm like cooking or in the bath, I want something evocative and something that kind of sweeps me away and tells me a story and gets me in touch with my emotional life. And Nightbook does that. And sometimes I'll even like drive around town listening to it and it just whisks me away. So I highly encourage uh, you take a little listen to Nightbook. Oh, I haven't listened to it yet. You've come in to me listening to it and been like, what's this? What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll have to check it out in a a more thorough way. It just continues to uh, unfold for me. I really adore it. Cool. Well, look at this. The spiritual gaze giving you range, honey. Yes, from 2009. Classical music from 2009. <laughs> and I have to thank my my cancer friend, Douglas Peck, for turning me on to it. It was quite a few months ago when I said, Doug, I need an album I can listen to in the bathtub. And he, without even missing a beat, texted me back, Nightbook. And she knew. The gorgeous Douglas Peck. Oh, she knew. Uh, and books. Yes. You have a book? I do have a book. I mean, I've been reading a lot because I've been sick and also the winter holidays. Um, But if I had to choose one, it's this book called Black Elk Speaks, and it's written by Black Elk. There's a couple of different translations, I believe, but it's essentially the retelling of a small part of American history from uh, a very 
spiritual and renowned Native American who witnessed it. And so it's a really hard book to read, especially if you're an American, because this is not the stuff you learned in high school. And it just really opens your eyes and your heart to the atrocities of how this country was taken from its rightful owners. But it also gives you an understanding of the spirituality of the Native peoples and how close to the land they were. And it is just really beautiful and it's chock full of wisdom. And it's one of those books where as soon as I finished it, I knew I was going to be reading it again and again and again. And uh, Black Elk had a vision when he was nine years old. He was in a coma for three days, I believe. And he had this really powerful vision that it took him a lot of his life to understand and to bring into being. And that was part of his life's work. And this book was part of it, was to share that vision. And if you read that vision, which comes very early in the book, you understand that part of that vision is the times that we live in now. And so I think it is really important for all of us as we are in this space between stories, as we are trying to create the new world to come, that we look back to the elders of the past to see the stories and the visions and the wisdom that we can apply to our contemporary life. Hallelujah. So agreed. So listen to Nightbook while reading Black Elk Speaks, and I mean, you'll have you a go. sense of what it's like to be an Aquarius sun with a Capricorn moon. <laughs> right, exactly. Or if you want to sojourn into the life of an Aries sun, Cancer moon with a Taurus rising, you can put on your Selena album while reading Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed which is a new fiction novel that just came out uh, right at the start of the year. And it's told from two perspectives. Oh, one, Yeah, one of a 20-something black woman who is working as really like a almost full-time babysitter for this late 30s white woman, you know, affluent. Uh, and she is the other perspective of the story. Oh, so you have the 20 something black nanny and you have the rich white lady. Yeah. And you it sounds just up your alley. <laughs> <laughs> it really is very on brand. And, uh, basically it, it all really takes off when, uh, the woman and her husband call the babysitter uh, to come and take their daughter. It's very late at night and there's been an occurrence at the house and they need to get their two-year-old daughter out of the house. And they ask this their babysitter to come and just take her out for just a, a few moments while they deal with, with, some, with some things in the home. And she takes her and she gets, she leaves like a party. So she's kind of dressed for a night out and takes her to a, you know, very sort of, upper crust grocery store to just sort of pass the time and a very nosy white lady customer alerts a security guard to this young black woman and this two-year-old white child and is concerned that maybe there's something amiss and the security guard comes over, starts questioning her, but isn't really believing her. And then this guy comes over and starts filming it. And so this is so sh this young woman is sort of caught in the center of this ridiculous firestorm that's happening around her when really she was just doing her job and everyone is having a hard time believing her. And uh, she's finally able to get the father of the child to come down and uh, 
explain everything and she runs out, but it just sets off this whole string of events that uh, I don't even want to give anything away. Yeah, don't but say anything else. I, yeah. I want to read it. You still have it, right? Yeah, but it you know the string of events that affects both her and this white woman she works for. You started tonight. <laughs> but yeah, it's a really great read. It's really fun, um, but also, of course, really thought-provoking and you know really challenges notions of race and class. And uh, I think Kylie does a fantastic job with it. And I uh, can't wait to see what else she writes. Well, that gives you plenty to read and plenty to listen to until we meet again. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give you the gift of this episode's Spirit, Spirit Talk. Talk. So we are so lucky to be sitting in the presence here in the spirit room of Ryan Allen, who is a friend, but also a beautiful healer and spiritual teacher. And he's also a coach and does a lot of beautiful group work and one-on-one work. Ryan, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. (laughs) So we thought that we might just start by asking you just to talk a little bit about your experience coming to healing work. Like what did your spiritual awakening look like? And you can start from wherever, but I imagine that there's a significant place in your life where you're like, ah, yes. And that's when my eyes and my heart was opened and I realized things are not what they appear. Um, And I'm just curious what comes to mind. You know, there's lots of different moments, and I think I'm still awakening. <laughs> so <laughs> for sure, okay. Um, so I could talk about yesterday. I could talk <laughs> about five years ago. But um, I, the first thing that came to my mind was uh, a trip that I took to Thailand by myself about six years ago. I and things had started shifting before that point, but um, that was a pivotal moment for me. Um, possibly because of the mushrooms that <laughs> were available to me <laughs> while I was there, <laughs> but mostly, um, mostly because it was that moment where I could see that anything that I set my mind to, I was able to do mm. and to be halfway around the world by myself. There was something that really brought me back to myself because I didn't know anybody. I was in strange circumstances. I was way out of my comfort zone. I really had no clue what I was doing in the process. And I think that that really started me. It's like a little push that I needed to start really exploring, you know, that I don't have to live within the boundaries of what I've thought that I had to live within. Yeah. Well, and as I know you, you're somebody who is constantly pushing yourself out of your own comfort zone. Always. Like you can't stop doing it. And it's really inspiring to watch. Have you always been that way? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Uh, pretty much like, so I grew up uh, Mormon. And so I think, and knew that I was gay real early. And so I think pretty much from that time on, I realized that, okay, I'm kind of got my own back here. And so I gained, I gained that feeling of confidence really early and 
then when I left my parents' house, I was like, okay, I'm doing this on my own. Um, and yeah, I think I just, I get bored feeling comfortable and it's not interesting to me for very long. So if I'm doing something for very long and I don't have a way of changing it up, even in my practice, I won't do a breathwork session the same with anybody because I want it to feel new and inspiring and fresh. Yeah. And that makes sense to me because breathwork is one of those practices that is all about pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. Absolutely. So I'm not surprised that that has become one of your main practices and tools for healing. Yeah. Um, But how did you come to find the breathwork? And then how did you come to be a healer? So I was a personal trainer for 11 years. And at the tail end of that point in my career, um, I found breathwork, a, a different style of breathwork that I experienced, um, with a practitioner where I was, it was all through Skype and I was at home, she was in Bali and I didn't really know what to expect. And it fucking blew my mind. Mm. It was, it, it was a kind of thing that I needed that really intense experience because the shell that I was holding was so thick that I needed like a fucking sledgehammer mm-hmm. to open it up. And I know that girl, right? Mm-hmm. I know about that thick shell. <laughs> and I know about that sledgehammer. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> so, um, So after I experienced that, I kind of was like, wow, that was amazing. Check. I don't need to do that again. I think like, oh, I uncovered everything I needed to learn about myself in that experience. And then I kept getting the nudge uh, with a friend of mine who is an energy worker and a healer himself. I was... um, I was doing a lot of free writing in the mornings and I kept getting this nudge that he needs healing. He needs healing as I was doing my writing. And I was like, I don't even fucking know what that means. Like, what would I do to heal somebody? I don't even, I didn't like that term at the time. And so I kept ignoring it and it kept coming around. And how did it come around that nudge? In, in my writing. Oh, okay. So it was, it would just be my free writing in the morning and and it's at some point within it, it would say like, he needs healing. You need to help him heal, help mm. him heal. And so finally I reached out to him and I was like, would you be interested in like train trading some, like some practices? Like maybe I could try that breathwork thing that I learned that someone did on me. And I would never do it with anybody else because I had no idea what I was doing at that time. But I knew that I trusted him. He trusted me. And so it was under the guise of like, oh yeah, he's going to try some things that he would try with his clients on me. And so we set aside time and I had a space then I had my own, um, training studio and we just, I just kind of walked through him through what I had done and it was fucking incredible. And afterwards he said, as much as that was for me, that was for you. He was like, that was an initiation and you have to do this work. And I felt it. I knew that. And then I was like, yeah, but there's so many different styles of breath work. Where do I go? And so this is how I knew where I had to go was the, so the next day I thought I'm going to go on YouTube and I'm going to look up breath work meditations and just get a feel for what these different styles are. And Aaron Telford's breathwork meditation came up and she and I 
had lost touch. We were friends in Seattle back when we were like 20 years old. Hmm. And I hadn't thought of her, hadn't kept in touch at all. So when her video popped up and I realized that was someone that I knew from 20 years ago, it was very obvious that spirit was like, here you go, girl. Yeah. Do you need a sign? Here it is. Totally. So I reached out to her, talked to her. She told me about David and that's how the ball got rolling. And then once I was in, I was all the way in. Amazing. And how would you start to talk about your idea of what it means to be a healer? Like, what is that? Hmm. Well, from my experience, it's someone who continuously heals himself. Mm. And I think that there's so many people that can use the term healer that do use the term healer that, uh, I don't always trust because I feel like, "Eh, I don't know if you're doing the work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that for me, that's number one. And I know that, you know, if I start to get a little lazy and I feel like, yeah, I got this spirit usually comes in, like Mm. does a little slap across (laughs) the face. Um, But to me, it's like it's guiding someone back to who they are repeatedly because we all need that, right? Like we get turned around so many times that we can't tell what's what direction we're supposed to be headed. And so I I always think of it as like turning someone back towards themselves so they can answer themselves, so they can heal themselves. But they need the space to do that and they need someone to be able to reflect that they can do that. Beautiful. Mm Mm-hmm. So when you think about some of like the key issues that came up for you when you were practicing your own healing, like when you were your first client, Mm -hmm. what are some of the big issues that you feel like you had to face and resolve in yourself? So many, Uh, (laughs) a lot, a lot to do with growing up gay, being Mormon. Mm, That was Mm -hmm. like, that was really big. And I had already gone through therapy and for years. And so I thought, oh, I've. I've really figured all this out because I could talk about it, Mm. but I, and you know, I think in therapy, I felt it as well, but not the depth, not what my body was holding. And I think that that's why it took breath work because I needed to experience what was actually held in my body for sure. So I think that's really profound to just acknowledge that Therapy's great. Like we've all been in it Mm -hmm. and psychological healing, which is what I think therapy is, works really well on the psychology of yourself, but it doesn't always do emotional healing Mm -hmm. or spiritual healing. And so that's why we need like other tools and other modalities. Exactly. Yeah. It gave me the framework to start thinking about how my past affected me in the present. And, and it all came, the reason I went to therapy was because of my Um, my inability to be as intimately connected to my partners as I wanted to be. Mm. I was always like holding a piece back or most of myself back and just giving little pieces. And the responses that I was getting from my partners were like, I want more of you. And I wasn't able to give it. And I didn't know why. And so through therapy, I could start to connect the dots between the way that I grew up and how that affected my ability to be vulnerable and present. Um, and then what was the question? (laughs) (laughs) No. So you were talking about like gay shame is what I call it. Mm -hmm. That's how I connect to it in in my own healing practice. Um, Oh, you were asking. And like what other issues did you find were like, you know, really juicy 
really large. Oh man. Uh, keeping myself small. Hmm. The, the first time I experienced breath work was that's what I experienced in my body was I connected so many dots in that first experience because I could feel the tightness in my body. And I kept asking my body, what is this about? What is it about? And I could, I connected all of the dots of like, in that moment, that feeling of like, oh, I keep myself small in so many different ways. My, I hold my body tight. I hold myself um, in a smaller position than I should or could. Um, I lived in small apartments all the time, really small, tight spaces. I would make just enough money to get by. Um, you know, even, and, and my relationships with men, like I would give just enough so I could keep that relationship intact, but never enough that I felt like we actually were deeply connected. Um, so it was a lot of keeping myself small, a lot of self-worth, um, using my voice, you know, all the usual. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of that seems like it probably was tied into the growing up gay. Yeah. In a society that essentially forced you to repress that. Yeah. So what was that experience like for you? So I was born in 1975. So I'm 44. So, you know, when I was... 10, 11, 12, when I started figuring out, oh yeah, this is, this is what I am. I can start to name it a little bit. Um, mid eighties. Who was the first crash? Oh, my friend, John. Oh. <laughs> I remember very clearly. Hey, John. John. And he had like, he had like a Beatles kind of bowl cut weirdly, <laughs> and, but he was a total hick. Um, yeah, and I would always fantasize about sitting on his lap. And one time it actually happened. <laughs> oh, shit. Manifester. Was, yeah, right? At <laughs> such a young age. <laughs> totally. I was like 10 years old. And uh, it was like me and a few of other boys, and we all were piling in my dad's truck. And there wasn't room for everyone on the seat. So I sat on Jan John's lap. And I remember thinking like imagining to myself like, oh, I'm his girlfriend. He wants me to sit on his lap. This is so romantic. <laughs> like fantasizing. <laughs> totally. In those ways. <laughs> so yeah, that's first crush. <laughs> yeah. So mid eighties, I was also like, until I was 11, grew up in the country and we were like 30 minutes outside of a town that had like 1200 people in it. So we were way out there. Yeah, isolated for sure. Totally. Um, so, and my parents are great. They did the best that they could, but they were both country folks too. So they had no clue in like how to handle me. Um, so I did a lot of like inversion. I, at that point, we, because we lived out in the country, there was a place for me to just like go roam. And so I would go run out into the fields and play in the Creek and play with my dog. And then, um, we moved into the suburbs when I was 11. And then I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like everyone's <laughs> got skateboards. They know like there's a cul-de-sac that we live in. Like, that's so weird. Like trying to now navigate that, um, I remember that being a very unusual time. And then that was when I was starting to go through puberty. Um, and yeah, those years were really uncomfortable. <laughs> and because you were in a faith-based environment, mm -hmm. 
what was your relationship to faith, God, or what have you? Did you have one? I did. Um, so like in the later teen years, um, I don't know if they still do it, but Mormon kids would go out on this thing they call a trek. And it's, I think it was like an overnight thing, but you go out, the, a group of kids and adults go out into the woods and the kids go off in pairs to go off. And it's basically like your spiritual experience. Go have your connection with God. Like a vision quest. Exactly. Light. Vision right. quest light. <laughs> yeah. With a snack pack. Right. Here's four hours. Go do your thing. Um, but I do remember that I was with this guy that I totally had a crush on, one of my best friends that I totally had a crush on. And we were laying on rocks, looking at the sky and talking to God. And I got this, some sort of download that I can see now as a download. And I thought, okay, God is real. The Mormon religion is real because that was my only relation to God or to spirit. So I was like, okay, well, this is real. Then how can I navigate integrating who I am? How can I believe all of these other things that don't seem really right? So, and then kind of when I graduated high school, I didn't want anything to do with spirituality. But at the same time, I was very interested in, um, I was very interested in yoga and understanding what other people, how other people connect to spirit, Mm -hmm. but not really diving that deep into it, just curious. And mostly nature was a way that I could connect. So it kind of came, it continues to come full circle where nature is the way that I ground and connect and feel the most present and connected to spirit. I mean, I'm sure on one hand, growing up out in the middle of nowhere until 11 years old is a challenge, but there's also something really profoundly beautiful about that, that your first real relationship was with like the invisible world. Like you were playing alone with yourself and the spirits of nature. And that's something that I think a lot of those kids that were born in those cul-de-sacs didn't get. Yeah. And I was one of those kids born in those cul-de-sacs. Like there was not a lot of like nature available to me growing Mm -hmm. up. And so it's something that as an adult, I've had to seek out and, and develop that relationship. And I almost feel like stunted in a way. Like mm-hmm. the first time I got out to the desert, I was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. You know, cause I didn't have that growing up. So it's yeah. interesting that we always get what we need. And then as we get older, we start to understand like, oh, that was the important thing. Yeah. Well, it's actually, I haven't shared this with you as a friend yet, but I am starting to make plans to live out in the country. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's a very new turn of events, but it's, um, it's something that's really calling on my heart and it just feels right. Um, so it's interesting cause I can see this full, this full circle coming to completion, you know, like being 44 living the first half of my adult life in major cities, And feeling like that's where I needed to go because that's where I could be me and that's where I could meet people and that's where I could have relationships and be creative. And having all of those, having had all those experiences now feeling like, okay, that's great, but that is not really what soothes my heart. 
And the older I get and the more sensitive I am and the more that I do healing work, the harder it is for me to be in cities. And every time I come back to a city after being in nature, I feel tense and I feel like it takes a lot of my time and energy just to calm myself. And that, and then that's energy that could be going towards creating something. So that is in the works. Oh, well, I'm so excited. That's beautiful. Thanks. I mean, I'll miss you, but I'll come out and visit you all the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so here you were taking all of that history, that, that experience with you into the gay world of dating mm. and approaching relationships. So were you aware of all of the challenge and trauma that you were bringing into? No. How long were you just acting off it? No, for a long time. I mean, from I had my first boyfriend when I was 16 and that we'll use that term very loosely. Like we, <laughs> we watched Madonna right. videos together and made out. Uh, <laughs> sounds like a what, great night to me. Sounds like a lot of what, what you guys I do. do. <laughs> I wish I could get you to watch I'll Madonna, watch Madonna videos. videos with you sometimes. Let's not talk about this. <laughs> Tonight, yeah. I love the two of you <laughs> to hold hands, watch Madonna videos and in between videos, make out. Okay. okay. We totally will. <laughs> Um, no, I, so from the time I was like 16 until I went to therapy, I had no clue. And that was when I was probably like 32, 33. So a good portion of my life of not understanding at all, um, what I was bringing or not bringing into my relationships. And were you just kind of beating yourself up? in that time majorly and I also wasn't aware of that like I was unaware of a lot of these things but probably also because I was numbing out Mm. I had to but I didn't Mm -hmm. I didn't connect any of these dots I and I if at the time you would have presented that idea to me I would have been like no because I wasn't addicted to anything that I was using but I was compulsively using it right more addicted to like feeling numb than the substance itself right. yeah yeah to not feeling the crazy in my head yeah and there was no real like spirit at that time in your life i think that what i was trying to do through drugs and dancing because i went to a lot of raves to like poured myself into house music a lot and raves clubs drugs I think that what I was doing in those moments was connecting to spirit and it was just my way of doing that. Yeah. And it's interesting because the people from that time period, and I'm specifically thinking of like 18 to 22 when I really was trying to sort things out and figure out who I was. Um, I lived in Seattle and a lot of people from that group that we would all kind of party together and go to raves and, and get out of our heads um, we, a lot of us are doing spirit work now. Mm. I have four friends, Aaron being one of them, four friends who, um, who do work that's similar to each other that we're all, I think, and we've talked about it. Like, I think we were all really just trying to connect and trying to feel our, our connection. Yeah. I had that same revelation myself and i think it's probably pretty common that people who are attracted to getting high are people who really are looking for some sort of altered state connection with spirit 
because from a shamanic perspective, like we're all hardwired for altered states. Like we're all supposed to be living in two worlds to some degree, having a sense of like ordinary physical reality, but then also like being able to interpret dreams and messages and being able to like connect on higher planes. And when you live in a society or a culture that doesn't teach you that that's acceptable or show you those avenues with which to do it, then yeah, of course you're going to go to drugs because that's what's available. And I think so many of us um, who gravitate towards spirituality and spiritual work in a lower form. I mean, I think about the planet Neptune. Like in astrology, the planet Neptune high vibe is mysticism and spirituality, and low vibe is like drugs and drinking. Like it's the same impulse. It's just how it's expressed. Yeah, I was going to say that too about the 12th house with the astrology. Yeah, it's sort of, they they live in that same space. And I certainly know for myself too, it was the same thing in that era of me trying to figure it out. I was constantly just trying to find anything that mm-hmm. I could ingest that mm-hmm. would give me some, you know, feeling outside of myself. Yeah. Yeah. And now I get most of that through leading breath work. There can be times where I'm like, holy shit, I am really charged right <laughs> yeah. now, especially in a group. Yeah. Would you talk a little bit about your breathwork practice and about how you facilitate session and the things you've learned? I, I would love to know. Yeah. Um, at first I just kind of followed what other people did. You know, I of course took the training and, and took the steps that our teacher taught us. Um, and then I let things start to come to me as especially like things that were meant to go on my altar because I didn't have an altar. I didn't have a relationship with what an altar meant. And it seemed to be a big part of most people's practice was like that, having that tool um, or set of tools in the space was valuable. And so I started collecting things over time. And an interesting thing happened was um, I was curious about rattles because I'd seen someone use one or something like that. And I was texting a friend about rattles and like asking some questions, walking down the street. And I literally kicked a baby rattle on oh the my street <laughs> as wow. I was texting. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I meant to have a rattle. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to do that. So it's been pretty organic, like in that sense of where anything that I use as a tool or a practice that I have for myself to either prepare for clients or when I'm working with clients, um, it's just come from intuition or it's been handed to me or guided to me. So yeah, I work with individuals one-on-one in person and virtually. I've started doing virtual groups and live groups, of course. And I have, I have my practice of how I set up the space, which connects me and starts to ground me um, before I realized that I was feeling the energy of the group before it happened. I was feeling, I was like really out of my mind. There were times when I would be driving to a group and out of nowhere, I was like super aggressive and uptight and anxious. And then I would get to the group And before the group started, as people were coming in, I was like, I think I'm feeling some other people's energy. And I connected to this one girl and I realized, oh my God, I was feeling her energy 
before this group started. So now my preparation starts even before I get to the space, before I leave my house, like clearing and grounding myself so that when I arrive that I'm not taking on anybody else's energy. But this has all been a learning, a huge learning curve because energy is still something that I know that I, that I work with consciously, but I'm still learning how it wants to work with me and how I am best served using it and how other people that I'm working with are best served using it and how, um, just generally how, what my gift is here. Um, so it's still, I'm still learning it all because it all, it was a new idea to me. Of course, I knew that we were all made of energy and we're all come from energy, but actually being able to talk about it, being able to direct it is a whole nother story and something I'm still learning. But that's what I like about this practice is that it, it feels like I will always be learning. So to your point of me pushing myself out of my comfort zone, I feel like every session that I have with every client that I have is pushing myself out of a comfort zone. So when I'm, when I work with people coaching, I often will use breath work. If I'm working with them for a while, at least at some point we'll use breath work. And I have, when I'm working with coaching clients, I have no agenda. I have no idea what's going to happen in that session. I don't have a 10 step plan for people that, Oh, everyone who works with me follows these steps. It's really like spiritual mentorship, I guess, in a way. And so that always keeps me feeling engaged because it's like surfing. Like, okay, we have an hour together. I have no idea what has happened for you over the last week. I have no idea where spirit is going to guide this conversation. And I have to trust that it's going to land somewhere that's valuable for this person. And that actually helps them move forward or confirms things and helps them heal from their past. And so I love, love that so much to just show up and ride the wave. Would you just talk a little bit about Rosie actually, and how she helps you in terms of holding space and who Rosie is? Yes. Rosie is my dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So when, so I have a space behind a dedicated space behind my house, um, where I see groups and clients and I kept her out of that space because I didn't know how the intensity of the energy in those groups would affect her. And one day she just ran in and laid down and I was like, okay, well, let's see what happens here. Is she going to run around and lick everyone's face? And she passes out. Like she's completely gone. And I do believe that she is helping to move energy in the room in a really gentle way. Because of course, you know, in those experiences, people are releasing a lot of emotions and energies and um, screaming, crying, laughing. She doesn't move at all. And then when the group is done and people start sitting up, she gets up and she walks around and like rubs herself on people, sometimes sits with one person who might need a little bit more. It's really incredible because I thought it's a, it's slightly out of her norm where she would kind of want to be running around a little bit more. But when we go in that space, she just drops in. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Noche acts very similarly with readings. I mean, not that he passes out per se, but he definitely like, facilitate some sort of like mm -hmm. 
healing Isn't it energy. Yeah. I wish that they could talk to us and tell us. I know, and teach us what they're doing. Right? You know? He's like, I just want food. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really what it comes down yeah. to. <laughs> I'm tired from the food I ate, and now who's going to give it to me? <laughs> no, he's always in the spirit room whenever there's any sort of work happening. Yeah. Like if we're recording a podcast, when we're working with clients, like he is always He's holding here. space right now. A hundred percent. He is. And he too does kind of like pass out or fall asleep. But I know that he's like in the invisible realms, mm-hmm. attending in his own way. Yeah, that's what it feels like with Rosie. And probably doing more than I am. You yeah, know? like I just don't know what it is he's doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like, you're the assistant. I'm the shaman. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, see, <laughs> he knows we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Him. He had to come visit you. Thank you. I could use your healing. <laughs> so, you are a single gay man. That I am. Living the spiritual life mm-hmm. now, 100%. Mm-hmm. What is that like now that approaching like the dating world with a strong spiritual background? And it's, you know, it's interesting. You know, I feel like in the different phases of our awakening, we relate to spirituality and what it means to us in different ways. And there were definitely times where I was judgmental of people who weren't connected to their spirit. And so then I put up more walls, right? Then I wasn't available to meet somebody who might not have a spiritual practice, but is spiritually connected in a different way than me. And so that's where I'm at right now is just kind of opening myself up to the fact that this person that could come into my life might not look anything like what I think a match would look like. And like I said to you guys before we started, like I have no expectations about anything at this point because when I think something is right, spirit will tell me, nope, sorry, you're going to turn left. (laughs) Um, so I'm, I'm so open right now. And as I have this, um, vision of moving to the country that also shifts things because I think a part of what's held me in cities for a long time is the idea that it's easier to meet guys in a city. So in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm going to stay in the city until I find my partner and then we'll move out into the country. And at this point I'm like, I'm moving out into the country and if spirit wants me to be with somebody, then they're going to plop that person in my lap and it's going to be really clear. I'm not going to look anymore, but I am going on dates. And what's that like? Do you approach it sort of spirit forward or do you kind of keep that in your pocket? until? I mean, when people ask you like what you do for a living, you you can't hide it. I can't. Yeah. No. Um, And... Yeah, I, I, I don't lead with it, but I make it part <laughs> of my like, casual. Hi, welcome. Do you <laughs> yeah. want to do a breathwork session? Have a seat. <laughs> Let's brown together. Right. <laughs> Just gonna so rub what's some your oil. intention for this date? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'll tell you what mine is. So can we just do a quick uh, deep breath in? Right. <laughs> no, but like I've I've gone out on a couple of dates with a guy recently and um and, you know, I just, I just talk about what, what is meaningful to me. And 
if people have questions, then they lean in and ask questions. And if they don't, then that's fine too. I've stopped making it something about me if people don't reciprocate or can't relate. It's, it's not about that. It's like where they're at, where I'm at. It doesn't make us incompatible unless it does. And then we'll figure that right. out. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they want to like come in, like challenge your integrity around it or totally. Yeah. Yeah. But I find it, I, th- I think a lot of people are intrigued mm-hmm. because I do think that gay men, queer men, queer people, that is an innate part of us. And it's something that we've lost. And to see it reflected in other people gets people excited. I do remember when I was in my 20s, like seeing um, queer people that were spirit connected and feeling resonance, but also thinking like, oh, yeah, but I don't want to dress like that. (laughs) You Mm, know what I mean? mm -hmm. (laughs) And now I start to dress like that. So. But I think that's a very good point to bring up that queer people throughout history have always been like that portal to sacredness and spirit. Mm-hmm. Like queer but people have always gift. been the priests and the portals and the channels and, you know, the oracles. Like that's right. the function of being queer in a lot of ways is like that you live in two worlds. Right. It's the gift of being able to see around and through the facades yes queen yeah tweet tweet (laughs) tweet tweet yeah when as you step more into that space as yourself then the right people who are meant to be around you will follow suit yeah and i was i i work with a mentor um who is amazingly wise 71 year old woman who i just adore and as we, and we talk about relationships and she said, you never know what you're bringing to somebody else. Maybe they, you are the awakening that this person needs and what they're providing you is something that you need. And maybe it's something completely different. Maybe they're providing you stability and grounding that you need and you're providing them this awakening in this portal that they're ready for. So I, so I've just kind of scrapped all of my ideas of like, who I should, what type of person I should be dating. And now I'm just like, if it feels aligned and we continue to want to see each other, there's going to be a reason and it's an adventure. Yeah. More will be revealed. Mm-hmm. Well, good for you. It sounds like you're in a really good place with it. Yeah. I, th- I think today I am. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Who knows what'll happen tomorrow? Yeah. Kelly Clarkson songs. And right. Crying. That, was, <laughs> that was my, that was my way of being about it back in the day. Uh, so I have a challenging question for you, but I oh. think it will be beautiful. Okay. So you're 44 years old, mm-hmm. which is a master number. I'm loving that something about turning 44 was like, oh, yes. Yeah. I'm ready for this. And the other master numbers are 11, 22, and 33. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, like, if you could have one thing that you, yourself at 44, would say to your 11-year-old self, your 22-year-old mm-hmm. self, and your 33-year-old self, what would you offer to them? Okay. 11... That's right when I moved from the country to the suburbs and I was asking kids on the playground if they would be my friend Mm. (laughs) and they were saying, 
Uh, no, you're a fucking weirdo. <laughs> Fuck those kids. I know, yeah, exactly. right? Where are they now? Bastard. I know you, Steven. I know you're listening. Still the coldest that. <laughs> so I think that he was just really looking for connection um, because it was like either church or his dog. And so I think at that point in my life, I was really searching for my people and so I think I would tell him that this sounds so much like a drag race moment at the end when oh my <laughs> like, God. look at this photo of yourself when you were three what would you tell so this kid totally. but it and it sounds cliche but that what you're looking for and the thing that you feel like is a weakness at this point, your open-heartedness and your kindness is actually the thing that's going to help you develop the most. It's going to be your gift when you're older. And I would probably also say that to my 22-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, tell, I, I, I would continue that with the 22-year-old self, but also let him know that, um, that he's worthy of waiting for people to come to him and worthy of not giving away his body and his energy. Cause that was my currency. I thought that my body was the way that I got approval and acceptance. And so it really started to fuck with my relationship with my body at that point. And 33, I had just moved to San Francisco from New York and I was just, I had, Stopped my uh, career in fashion and beauty career, like three years. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I left New York, left that fantasy that I had about living a glamorous life. And I knew at that point, it's funny because now it's it's kind of, I see there's so many points in my life that was directing me to nature. And that was a point and I didn't really listen. I took, you know, a smaller step of going to a smaller city, slowing things down a little bit. But my true heart's calling at that point was like, you want to live in nature. And um, so I would tell him that what he was searching for would have been a little bit easier to find if he actually followed what his heart's call was at that point. But... All of that, of course, brought me here. So, so yeah. beautiful. Thank you mm -hmm. for sharing that, Ryan. Yeah. Shantae, you stay. I want to move to nature. <laughs> I want to move to nature too. I know. I was God waiting for it. Damn it. I'm like, thanks, Ryan. Sorry. Oh. Here we go. I literally like just committed. I was like, okay, LA, like we'll do another five to 10 years here. But now I'm like, maybe not. Sorry. I hope there's like a guest house wherever you move out to in the All country. Right, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> we have a lot of talking to do. Right. All right, well, then let's wrap Wait, this up. As, <laughs> as you make out and watch Madonna videos. Yeah, in between. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, I feel like we're kind of coming to a close here, but I really want to let the people know how they can get a hold of you if they want to, you know, reach out to you for breath work or coaching and also like what sort of programs or offerings do you have coming up in the near future? Yeah, I'm super excited to be talking to, I guess you guys have a queer audience, right? I would assume with mm -hmm. your name. They're pretty queer. Okay, great. Um, because I have, uh, I'm almost complete 
by the time this comes out, this will be complete. Um, an online offering uh, that takes a lot of the coaching practices or exercises that I have um, and compiles them into a six-week program for gay men specifically. And it's been something that I've wanted to do for years. And finally, getting it together, I'm so excited to offer it because some people don't want to work in groups, even if it's at a, you know, even if they're able to afford it, they don't want to do group work or even show up virtually to groups. They want to take things at their own pace. So I've made it affordable and easy to do, even for people who don't feel really connected to spirituality necessarily, just practices that again, like turn you back towards yourself and your truth. So and that's called Lifted Men, and that will be on my website, which is ryanallen.co. Spell it for the people. R-Y-A-N-A-L-L-E-N.co. Beautiful. What if I was like, it's R-I-A-N. <laughs> yeah. You never know. <laughs> yeah. You never know. E-I-G-H. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> So that's that's where all my offerings are. I'm most active on Instagram. That's mm-hmm. where she likes to do a lot of writing. It's a very inspirational Instagram. It's one of my favorites. Thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And you do a lot of like stories where you're like talking to people and just like you're very real, Ryan, and we really appreciate that about you. You like tell it like it is. You don't like put on any sort of like thick outer shell. Thank you. I've done a lot of work to bring that down. I was like, I'm not going to have a facade that I am a perfect teacher, that I've got it all together, that I know, you know, exactly what I'm doing at all times. It's like nobody does. And I, I resonate more with people who can be honest about that than anyone who, you know, has perfect branding. Mm -hmm. Thousand percent. Um, All right. Well, I think we're going to move into our tarot card of the episode, which you'll get to pull. So let's just take a moment, everybody, all you gazers out there listening, just connect to the cards by hearing the sound of them being shuffled. And if you have a question or you're needing guidance or a sign, just ask the cards to provide that for you. And just know that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. All right, I'm going to go spread the cards out for Ryan. All right, here we go. Tell me, tell me. So Ryan pulled the Queen of Swords, everybody. Hey, Queen. Hey, Queen. Yes, ma'am. Isn't that your nickname back in Seattle? Yeah. (laughs) But truly so appropriate based on what we're talking about, because the queens in the tarot, they hold court of the inner realm. And the Queen of Swords especially is like the real truth teller of the deck, and she knows how to tell the truth on herself. And she's able to gaze in words and to illuminate all those dark corners and shadowy crevices of the mind and the heart and to really take responsibility 
And when you tell the truth on yourself, you're able to tell the truth on other people a lot more easily. And so I love this card, A, as just like an invitation into embodiment for you, because it's what you do all the time. It's what healers do. You were saying like, if you're not continuing your healing process, then you're probably not going to continue to be that effective for your people. But I think for everyone, when we are asked to embody Queen of Swords energy, we're being asked to tell the truth on ourselves. But of course, with love. So that's again, like, are you being just mean to yourself? That's not telling the truth on yourself. That's just being mean to yourself. But where do you still need healing? Where are you self-sabotaging? Where are you afraid? I mean, the Queen of Swords is able to be like, oh, I'm scared to do this thing, which is why I keep putting it off or I keep procrastinating it. There's fear here in the way. And just being able to tell the truth on yourself about what you're experiencing is really the first step to get away from it, to get free from it, to get out from under it. Um, Queen of Swords is working with water and air. And so what that means is like water's the emotion, water's the heart, water's what flows in our life. And air is our ability to be above it, to fly above the storm clouds or to have that bird's eye view. So there's also an element of like Zen here where you can notice your triggers and like notice what's going on, but not necessarily act from it. I always call the Queen of Swords. She's the Ruth Bader Ginsburg of the deck. And Ruth is tough. She's a tough cookie. But she's not just tough for herself. She's tough because she's a Supreme Court justice. She's like working for the world. And so I think it's important to remember that like your work for the world starts inside first. And the more you can work on yourself, the more of a clean, sharp sword you can be when the time comes to go into battle and to do the work that you came here to do. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. I remember always like seeing the Queen of Swords card and calling it the take off the mask card. Oh. Mm. M-A-S-C? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bitch. But take also take off the mask for sure. <laughs> Just be the queen you were meant to be. Yes. Ryan, well, yeah. thank you so much. My heart says thank you to your heart, my yeah. love. Thank you. So beautiful to have you in the chair in the spirit room. It's and, been a pleasure. And it's just been such an honor to get to know you over these last couple of years and to develop a relationship with another queer healer. It means so much to me, and I'm so grateful to kind of introduce all of our gazers to you and the beautiful work that you do. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity and the fun conversation. I love you guys. Aww. <laughs> Love you too. Love you too, girl. <laughs> so a big thank you also to Justin Simeon for the interstitial musics. Yes. Uh, you can always find us at The Spiritual Gaze on Instagram or just Spiritual Gaze on Twitter. Or you can email us at thespiritualgaze at gmail.com. And soon you'll be able to visit us at thespiritualgaze.com online. Yes. Oh, she's yes. under construction. The website is under construction. She's taking off the mask. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned. So until next time, this has been your transit through the spiritual gaze.